Hi, I'm Bob Ekblad. Welcome to my podcast, Disciple. Word, Spirit, Justice, Witness. I keep being struck by Matthew chapter 10, where Jesus summons his 12 disciples and gives them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. It just amazes me how right from the start, Jesus was out looking for people who he was recruiting. You know, he went by the Sea of Galilee. He saw the fishermen. He called them and said, follow me and I will make you become fishers of people. And here early on, pretty early on in Matthew, he's deputizing his disciples. He gives them authority over unclean spirits. And um, wow, what a powerful thing to, uh, to be able to have authority given to you by Jesus, to be able to cast out predatory powers that mess with people. And, and then to be able to be an agent of healing of every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. And so um, he sends them out and uh, sends them out in vulnerability to preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then he says, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. Freely you receive, freely give. He sends them out in vulnerability without money without extra clothes, they're dependent on their hosts. So they're not hosts themselves, but are guests. And um, anyway, and their message needs to be received. He says in verse 16, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be shrewd as serpents and innocent as doves. So he warns them right from the start that they're being sent out into an antagonistic, hostile world. He says, uh, beware of people, for they will hand you over to the courts. Now, in our community at Terra Nueva, most of the people in our church have been through the court system. They've been arrested. They've done jail time, prison time. Um, here, we're talking about uh, persecution for the sake of being a Jesus disciple, you know, because even uh, they're described as being scourged in the synagogues, in the gathering places of, you know, the people of God. You'll be brought before governors and kings for my sake, Jesus says, as a testimony to them and to the Gentiles, the non-Jews. And then Jesus goes on to say, when they hand you over, do not worry about how or what you are to say, which would be normal to be worried, right? You know, when you're being accused, when you're before, a, you know, an authority figure, um, wow, what are you going to say? And that's something that people would anticipate prior to their arrest or after their arrest. But here Jesus assures them, it will be given you in that hour what you are to say. For it is not you who speak, but it is the spirit of your father who speaks in you. That is such an amazing assurance that God will speak um, through us in our defense. And we don't need to stress and so here we're alerted to this, uh, the focus that Jesus has on revelation, you know, on us receiving revelation from the Spirit to guide us in, a, in the way that we um, are to speak and to behave. And that's the context for what we're going to look at um, following in the following text. It talks about persecution, being hated by all because of Jesus's name. And the, it's the one who endures to the end who will be saved. When they persecute you in one city, flee to the next. You know, um, 
So a lot of our people, they've had to do that. They've been had warrants for their arrest. They go from town to town. They head off into the hills. They hide out. And so Jesus is talking about um, being really an underground movement that is being, um, that's dealing with hostile forces. Jesus goes on and says, uh, you know, that in the same way that he was persecuted, they're going to persecute us. But then in verse 26, here's the text that I want to get to. Therefore, do not fear them. Okay, so really the whole context here is dealing with persecutors, you know, the wolves that um, the sheep are thrown into the midst of and um, the persecutors, the betrayers. Do not fear them. We're not to fear people that would oppose us because of our, of our faith and our convictions. For there's nothing concealed that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. Now, um, and then Jesus says, what I tell you in the darkness, speak in the light. And what you hear whispered in your ear, proclaim upon the housetops. So what is Jesus talking about here? What sort of revelation? Um, he says, nothing um, that is concealed. That's the term calupto, to hide, to conceal, um, that will not be revealed. Apocalypto, which is uh, that word for revelation, or hidden kuptos that will not be known. So um, so we're not to fear because information is given to us and the setting is, is a setting of persecution. Um, so why not fear them? Because there's nothing concealed that will not be revealed. Now, where does this revelation happen exactly? You know, is it, 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 it appears to to happen anywhere where we need it. I mean, maybe while we're in prison or uh, on the road or on the run. Um, Jesus does have this beautiful teaching in Matthew 6, verses 5 to 6, that I think gives us a key to how we can tune in to God's word to us. You know, Jesus describes uh, public prayer as being, you know, being publicly praying in front of people to be seen by them. And he critiques that as hypocrisy. But he says, but you, when you pray, in contrast, you go into your inner room, close your door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. So, you know, we're to go in, um, into a place where we're not distracted by how people are viewing us, if people are viewing us, by um, just all the distractions that are around us. And, um, and then it says, your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So the focus here seems to be on private prayer, you know, private um, receiving, hearing, speaking to God. And, um, but what is, what is it that is the content? I think one of the things that we can say is that uh, since we're not to fear them because there's nothing concealed that will not be revealed, I think Jesus is really talking about the prophetic you know, that we have in the Old Testament, where the prophet would hear um, about the crimes and about the misdeeds and even the evil motives or even the secret thoughts of detractors. And um, here we see in Luke chapter 12, verses 2 to 3, which is kind of the Lucan version of this, he says um, in the beginning, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. But there's nothing covered up that will not be revealed and hidden that will not be known. Accordingly, whatever you have said in the dark will be heard in the light. So in other words, like 
the secret uh, thoughts of people's hearts, the negative things, are going to become visible. And what you what you have whispered in the inner rooms will be proclaimed upon the housetops. So we're accountable for what we think and what we say. And and so that, um, I think it's, uh, you know, the Jesus is warning us, I guess, that, you know, that we stand before God who knows us. And um, Romans 2, verse 16, Paul here talks about something in a similar way. He says, on the day when, according to my gospel, God will judge the secrets, kruptos, same word, of men and women through Christ Jesus. And we see in the Gospels, Jesus is often hearing the thoughts of people that are judging him. You know, we see it with Simon the Pharisee when he invites Jesus. And the woman, who's the woman of the city, the sinner, comes and is washing his feet with her hair and wiping him with her, and with her tears and anoints him with perfume. And, and the man says to himself in his heart, um, you know, if this man were a prophet, he would know. Uh, what kind of woman this was, that she's a sinner. And then Jesus says, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he says, say it, teacher. And then Jesus um, shows that he knows he was able to understand. Because it actually says Jesus answered Simon, and answered him and said, "I have Simon, I have something to, to say to you. And so Jesus is is able to, to interpret, I guess, read the room, right? And we see that with the, in the story when there's the paralytic who's lowered down from the roof. And uh, Jesus says, son, your sins are forgiven. And then it says that people were saying to themselves, who is this that forgives sinners? Only God can forgive sinners. And then Jesus says, so that you might know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, I say to you, get up and take up your pallet and walk. And then the man is healed. And, um, and so we see that Jesus is modeling a kind of hearing, I guess, from God or knowing the thoughts of the hearts, those things are revealed to him. We see in 1 Corinthians 4, verse 5, um, it says, Therefore do not go on passing judgment before the time, but wait until the Lord comes, who will both bring to light the things hidden, same word, kruptos, in the darkness, and disclose the motives of people's hearts. And then each person's praise will come to him from God. So um, in a way, what we have is exposure you know the 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 revelatory word exposes the motives and the thoughts of the hearts um, we see that um, as one of the outcomes of prophecy in first corinthians 14 verse 25 where it says the secrets kryptos of the heart are disclosed and so they will fall he will fall on his face and worship god declaring that god is certainly among you that's when people are, are speaking in tongues and then there's interpret interpretation and then um, in that interpretation apparently reveals the secrets of people's hearts. So um, anyway, so that's one of the things that happens. And really, um, prophecy is a kind of whistleblowing activity. Uh, the prophets were people who, um, who were aware of, you know, the crimes of the powerful. Like Nathan, the prophet, comes to David and he has the revelation that David has slept with Bathsheba and then had her husband or Uriah put to death. And he comes and exposes that. And throughout the Old Testament, we have the prophets exposing crimes. Um, John the Baptist in the New Testament does it. And uh, Peter does it in um, his first sermon in after he heals the man at the beautiful gate in Acts chapter 3. He 
he exposes the sins of of the, of his audience as being um, you know the, the, you you've murdered the prince of life you know the, the Jesus and um, and he calls them to repentance. So um, another thing we can say is that um, is that what is revealed is prophetic revelation as to the um, you know the the good news the the liberating message. So here's some examples of that. Um, it says in Luke chapter eight verses sixteen to eighteen. Now no one after lighting a lamp covers it over with a container or puts it under a bed, but he puts it on a lampstand so that those who come in may see the light. For nothing is hidden that will not become evident, nor anything secret that will not be known and come to light. So take care how you listen, for whoever has to him more shall be given. So that's uh, revelation. That's like revelation regarding the good news, the message of, sal of salvation, the wisdom from above. Uh, and whoever does not have even what he thinks he has shall be taken away from him. So in other words, like really cherishing that revelation, being careful how we listen when we go into our um, inner room and, and close the door and are with the Father who sees in secret. You know, being in that place where we're really um, attentive is important. So if we look now at that verb, um, apoc apocalypto, which is, um, you know, the word to reveal, it, um, let's look at some examples of how that is used in Matthew's gospel and beyond. So we see it in Matthew 13, 44, where it says, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid again. And from joy over it, he goes and he sells all that he has, and he buys that field. So uh, this, these are the hidden things that are revealed, right? The, the treasure. And um, God wants to reveal treasures to us. God wants to speak to us and give us um, insight and understanding and revelation. Um, you know, we see that that revelation can involve actually having the revelation of who Jesus is. So Matthew 16, 17, uh, when, when Jesus uh, asks uh, the disciples, who do, who do people say that I am? And they say, Elijah and one of the prophets. And they give different answers. And then they say, who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you are uh, the Christ, the Son of God. And uh, and then Jesus says, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. So, you know, revelation as to the identity of Jesus or, the you know, the identity of who the Father is, the Holy Spirit. We see um, that um, it is also, you know, um, just, just revelation regarding, um, like in Matthew eleven twenty seven. I guess this is another text along the same lines. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, says Jesus. And no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son wills to reveal him, that is the Father. So see, there's revelation that Jesus offers us of the Father. And so, um, anyway, um, and then finally, um, or two more, we can look at Luke 2, 35, where there's a prophecy to Mary herself about her, about Jesus. Jesus, uh, is, it said, um, a sword will pierce even your own soul, 
to the end that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. I guess that's back to our earlier description of, you know, of, of Revelation being, um, you know, the motives and the thoughts of people's hearts. Um, and now um, the final text that I want to look at is 1 Corinthians 2, 9 to 10. Paul writes, things which eye has not seen and ear has not heard and which have not entered the heart of people. All that God has prepared for those who love him. For to us, God revealed them through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. So now if we go back to you know, Matthew chapter 10, and we look at what Jesus says, Do not fear them. For there's nothing concealed that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. So, in other words, like we don't need to be afraid because God is a God of justice. God knows um, the crimes that are being committed out there uh, everywhere against um, and against his messengers, against his apostles, his pastors, his people, and um, against the weak and the vulnerable. And one of the roles of 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 any of us who want to be followers of Jesus and receive the Holy Spirit and step into the gifts of the Spirit, such as prophecy, is that uh, God will reveal things to us. And and so we become whistleblowers of, of sorts. And there's a social dimension to that. And there's also um, a personal dimension where God reveals things to us about ourselves that need to be confessed. You know, the Spirit convicts us of our sin and we bring and brings that into the light. We, we walk in the light as God, as Jesus says, as he is in the light. And we confess our sins and he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. But also, um, we have that role pastorally sometimes to, you know, to we'll receive revelation regarding um, some of the struggles and the, and the bondages and even the demonic powers that inhabit and that are bothering and afflicting someone who we're maybe praying with. And it's, we need that revelation from God to be able to um, uncover those things so that people can be set free. Um, so what I tell you in the darkness, speak in the light. And what you hear whispered in your ear, proclaim upon the housetops. And I, be I believe that this text is maybe even more general. It can include um, prophetic denunciation of injustices. But, but I think the proclaiming word here... Um, is really the message, you know, the word um, to announce the good news. I mean, it's not the word euangelion, I don't think, but it's it's the word um, that really has to do with um, proclaiming and the gospel, preaching. And so we preach because God shows us um, the liberating message that is appropriate for the moment. Do not fear those who kill the body, but are unable to kill the soul but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in Gehenna, in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a cent, and yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So do not fear. You are more valuable than many sparrows. So really, we, we shouldn't fear people because, um, and we're told to not fear human beings. We're not to fear how people are going to react to us, how they're going to oppose us or reject us or even betray us and kill us. You know, our our higher level respect and, and fear even in a 
holy way is is God who we stand before and we're accountable to. And God is someone, God is the God of life who entrusts us with this message and also with that role of bringing into light the, you know, the crimes and the sins and beginning with ourselves, but also bringing, uh, proclaiming from the housetops openly and publicly without fear, um, the, the liberating message of Jesus's uh, victory over death. So um, I encourage you all to ponder this and to take it to heart and let's, you know, let's go for it. Let's, um, let's put this into practice. You know, um, it's, it's really important to be praying and be deliberately, you know, trying to align ourselves with what God would have us do in a given day. And um, it's interesting. Oftentimes, um, I find myself uh, thinking of different individuals. And um, often on Sundays, I'll, I'll think of individuals that are just uh, people that I haven't seen for a while. And it's, it's so curious to me that I will often pray for these people. And then so often um, they show up at our, at our service. And I'm like, wow, I wonder why that is that I would think of that person out of the blue, pray for them, and then there they are. And I wonder whether that, I believe that that's a kind of experience of, of God showing me uh, the need to intercede, the need to remember people and, and pray for them because maybe maybe there's obstacles that are blocking them from moving forward and from ex- being part of a faith community. And, um, you know, and I, and I, I believe that God wants to, you know, to give us precise revelation that will bring healing, that will bring freedom to people. And, um, and so if we're attentive and, and open, you know, we're, we're, we're likely to hear. And, uh, thankfully I, th- I believe that the spirit is also persistent. And if, and if God knows that we, we want to be open and we, we want to resist fear and, being paralyzed, you know, by our own, um, insecurities, I guess, um, I think God will, you know, will really press in on us to get us to, to say things. And, uh, you know, I, I was recently in a situation where, you know, where God gave me this message. It was like, I I was talking, talking to a person over zoom and I saw this name, which, um, I just saw it like written over his forehead and, and I was wondering whether it was the man's father or whether it was his son or I had no idea. And I just kept ignoring it. I just because I this this was my first encounter talking with this man. And um, finally, at the very end, um, I ended up we ended up praying together. And then I said, I asked him if the name meant anything, if the name Theodore meant anything. And he says, no, I don't really have anyone named um, Theodore in my life. And. And so I said, well, and I had actually felt like I was supposed to Google, um, you know, the meaning of the name Theodore, which actually means gift, gift of God, um, like Theo, God, and Dor, um, Dore or whatever gift. And so um, anyway, he's the one that suggested, well, maybe that's, it's the meaning of the name. And so then um, that confirmed that I already, the you know, the the push I felt in my spirit to look up the name. And when, you know, when I told him what the name meant, it really meant a lot to him. And, um, and even in doing some of these word studies, um, you know, like I feel guided, like when I'm reading 
um, when I was preparing for this podcast, you know, I was, I was, I was finding scriptures that just seemed so highly relevant to the topic, you know, that I, I wouldn't have naturally associated with, you know, the topic of, of God's revelation. Like for instance, you know, just, um, how it's the spirit or it's, you know, it's Jesus who reveals the father and it's, uh, the father who reveals the son, you know, like, like Peter, he got that special revelation about Jesus being the Christ. And clearly I can see that when we're trying to bring along someone towards faith who is not yet a believer, I can see that, that people really need that moment where it's God who actually brings the revelation as to who Jesus is. And so um, I just want to encourage you to experiment with this. Experiment with, you know, praying and discerning and leaning in and trying to hear God's um, word to you and God's word to you for someone who you are maybe going to meet with, or even just being open to God bringing people before into your, to your attention who maybe you're to pray for or to call or to send an email to or a text or something and see what happens. You know, it's experimenting with God and experimenting with these gifts of the spirit that allow us to, or help us kind of evolve and, and experimenting with scripture too, you know, like pursuing leads that we get that, um, you know, that things that excite us about the meaning of, of verses or words. And, you know, and as we, as we follow those leads, you know, we make discoveries that, that really are life-changing. So, um, let's pray. God, I thank you for your word and for your spirit and that you, um, are active and that you, um, you reveal things to us in, um, the secret place of your presence. And we ask for hunger and spiritual thirst that it would increase for us and that we would notice what we're noticing or notice what we're not noticing and that you would take away our fear of people and give us um, humble courage to be able to share what you show us. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.